In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. And welcome back to Still Interested. It's a TV and film reboot remake podcast for the Curio Network of podcasts. I'm, as always, your internet troll in the cyber dungeon host, Ben McAllister. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I am your uh, unlimited food source, Jackson Newsom. Oh, wow. Yours is a very positive thing. One that could help people. Well, it's Mine. positive unless you consider like a, a whole group of society that that contain like the answer to ending poverty who do nothing about it and just watch people starve yeah, in the streets. They do just watch people starve. That is true. They definitely don't do anything to help anyone. Yeah. And if that's not enough of a clue as to what movie <laughs> we're taking on today, I don't know what possibly could yeah. be. Because of course, of course, Jackson, Jackson, you and I have decided that it's 2019. We're all about massive internationally acclaimed franchises because we're on that chase (laughs) enough of these movies nobody but us gives a shit about yeah exactly 2019 we like this is like watching watching two people get like attempting to sell out here you know like we were waiting for that big check to come in from disney it never came and so we've been standing on the corner holding signs that say we'll podcast for money for like 18 months now no one's given us the money you know what we're just gonna do what you like and hope you pay us anyway Yeah, so this is us going for the brass ring, and we have finally capitulated to Harry Potter. Maybe because we're under the influence of a Cruciatus curse. Ah. Was that the one? Is that the one that makes you do stuff? Imperious, I think. Imperious. Okay, Imperious. Okay, all right. Okay, so we're we're of course talking Harry Potter. Dude, we should check that. We we got to get that right. Or I know. Okay, I I, I know. I'm going to revisit this in a moment, but like. Just to quickly get out of the way, we're of course talking Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first movie. Uh, Some of you pedants are going to be thinking, this franchise hasn't been rebooted or remade. Well, guess what? We need that money. And also, (laughs) arguably it has been. I would say, having watched, I would say, uh, 1.3... Uh, films of the Fantastic Beast of the Beastverse, as I call it. Yeah, the um, Beastiverse. Uh, the Beastie Boys. I, I feel like J.K. has unmade and oh, yeah, yeah, remade yeah, yeah. that universe. No, so no, I no, I mean, it's a the, whole that's system the right? The Fantastic Beast thing is like the reboot. I mean, if they just made one Fantastic Beast movie, I would think we have. You know, there's no, there's no way. But the, the fact that they've now made three of them, or they've made two and are made releasing two, yeah. a third. Apparently, that they're like doing the, as many as five, and they're just yeah. like. 
they're just and laughing at that point, in the face of Potter fans, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that it's just that classic Hollywood thing of being like, oh yeah, Lord of the Rings, three like seven to a thousand page books, like seven hundred thousand page books. Yeah, each one of those is one movie, and they're like, mm, the Hobbit, three hundred pages, it's three movies, mm-hmm. and it's literally like the Fantastic Beast series takes like an in fiction novella, and we're like, you know what, this is it's five movies <laughs> because we need that money. Yeah. So we are going to come back with Fantastic Beasts. Now, Jackson, let's address this right up top here. What is your relationship with the Harry Potter novel and film franchise? Uh, got given, uh, I think, the first two books. I read them cover to cover, ended up doing the same thing with all the books. When the seventh mm-hmm. book came out, I skipped a day of school. I read the entire thing in one sitting. We've talked about your wizard staff before also. <laughs> yes, we have talked about my wizard staff. <laughs> you winded yourself very badly. Definitely. <laughs> Um, I actually, I actually got pushed away from the films. Um, oh, really? <laughs> well, because, like, I, I found that this fandom in particular got so competitive about who right. knew more and yeah, who cared more. exactly. And who that, could like, be the biggest Harry Potter boy or girl. Absolutely. Exactly. And, like, keeping in mind, I didn't bring it up, but I had a working magical staff at home that I had crafted through <laughs> Wizardology. So, um, <laughs> the, the, some of the true magic fans took a seat back and let these plebs uh, go ahead of them. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I would say I'm a fan of the franchise. Like, but th- this is the thing you've hit on, like, the, the idea of the fan base around these movies. Like, I'm a fan of the franchise. I'm not... A, I, I don't... You know, I feel like I don't have the right to call myself a fan of the franchise just based yeah. on how big people are, like, fans who call themselves fans. Like, I've read all the books. I've seen all the movies. I read the books kind of as they were coming out. I think I fell off, like, partway through the, the book series. And then, like, later, after they were all done, I read the last three, I think. Yeah. Um, And I've seen all the movies. Like, I saw them all in cinemas. Like, I, but, like, I'm... I've read all the books exactly once, and I've seen all the movies like one to two times. I'm yes. not like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like, I would say I like it. I would yeah, say I'm I, a fan. I think it's like it's a wonderful example of like the detail you can bring to world building and that sort of thing. It's just remarkable that J.K. having made all that money was like, I'm gonna fuck everyone over now. Welcome to Pottermore. Part of the reason why this this franchise popped up for us is like we've been like joking recently about that whole thing that came out about like <laughs> wizards, wizards shooting wherever they want and then magicking it away. <sighs> Um, yeah, which is incredible. If you don't know anything about that, rather than us detailing it, go listen to the Reply All episode about it because with Jason Manzukas, because it's, it's fucking very incredible. It's very good. Episode 134, they'll tell you all about it. Basically, like, J.K. Rowling retroactively decided to make canon that until, like, the 1880s, wizards didn't have plumbing and would just shit all over the floor wherever they were standing and then magic it which away. Is just, which is just so oh. fucked up. For so many reasons. Like, the idea that, like... Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're not going to go into it. No, we can't. (laughs) Um, And also, real quick before we jump in, Chris Columbus, 2001. You know your boy Columbus is up on the mix on this one uh, with the, the directing. Okay, so, we're in a street... And there's a wacky wizard man with a special handheld doodad. Then a cat <laughs> appears and it shapeshifts into a person. I'm sitting here, right? Like, in 2019, watching 2001's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I'm 45 seconds in and I'm like, man, just trying to imagine 
how hard to comprehend and how impenetrable this movie is if you haven't read the book or seen it before. Yeah. And imagine like you know imagine the- if this was a film first. Imagine if the yeah. film opened with this. You'd like, 40 seconds in, people would leave the movie. They'd be like, this is just like, What is this? Yeah, and it doesn't get less weird because the next thing that happens is a giant flying motorbike <laughs> lands in the middle of the yeah. street. So, so the <laughs> like, old man of the big beard is talking to the cat lady and then he takes out this like little lighter and he drinks up all the street lights in the area. <laughs> he but sucks it does, them all out of the sky. <laughs> but it does nothing because the moon is so bright. They clearly, they yeah. both still clearly lit. So I guess his like lighter was just thirsty. And then yeah, a big yeah. man comes out of the sky on a motorcycle, <laughs> and then he hands like, over a the, baby. The lady, the lady, the cat lady is there, and she's like, "Do we trust Hagrid with a task of this magnitude?" Which, like, by the way, it's way too late in the game to be asking that I question. Like, like five you're minutes from package delivery. Place. Yeah, like you're you're at the point of delivery, and you're beginning to question whether this guy's <laughs> the man for the job. But the old man with the special doodad says, "I trust Hagrid with my life," which is some nice characterization. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Uh, the big man pulls out a baby. They all stand around talking about how he's hella special. They're like, he's such a special baby. He'd be so famous in our world. So it's yeah. important that we leave him with the only family he has. Yeah. And then F- they put famously the baby down. horrible, horrible people that they decide. Yes. As 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 Dumbledore, the old man, uh, states, he's far better off growing up away from all that referring to fame and everything. And so they leave this poor child in a borderline abusive home, being like... Yes. Big, and borderline? literally... Would you say borderline? Well, okay, yeah. Straight, I would say straight up Straight abusive. up abusive. And, like, the last thing Dumbledore says, he looks at the baby and says, Good yeah. luck, Harry Potter. As if it's a test. <laughs> like, literally being like, if you survive this... <laughs> um, and then, yeah, yeah, it's ten years later, and this boy, Harry, is now living under the stairs in the house. Now, be- before we get there, good luck, Harry Potter, title pitch, has very to be good. in the mix. It's got a very Welcome Back Cotter vibe. I love that. We do definitely get that highly remakeable John Williams score, baby. Man, it comes in so fresh. Can you think of someone who has had as much impact on, like, modern film? As John Williams. Yeah, maybe like Hans Zimmer, maybe in some way, in a weird way, like Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, the elf. But yeah, obviously, (laughs) the elf's got to be in the mix, obviously. So many iconic franchises that literally open being like, here's no useful information, but isn't this music nice? Like Indiana Jones, you're just kind of like, what's happening here? Harry Potter, again, who are all these strange people? The number of movies that we have done on this program in which I've said John Williams' score is a remakeable point. Uh, (laughs) It's in so many of the movies. His music is the most remakeable element in film outside of pranks. I've said it. Yeah, it's true. I was going to say, it's like, yeah, now we've got another piece to add to the still interested canon, which is that if John Williams is in it, it gets a remakeability point just for that. Anyway, now Harry's 10 years old. He does live under the stairs at number four Private Drive with his abusive aunt and uncle. We don't know anything about his past at this point, uh, but it is his shitty cousin Dudley's <laughs> Doug. Man, can you imagine if his name was Doug? Doug. If it was Doug yeah. Dursley. <laughs> Doug, Doug Funny? Like Doug from Doug? Doug? Yeah, dude, from Doug. <laughs> um, so yeah, Harry... But like a John Williams version. Yeah, a John Williams version of that. Um, in the in the following ten years, Harry has just presumably suffered 
uh, terrors and abuse too horrifying to show mm-hmm. on screen. Um, <laughs> this family are wildly cruel. It's Dudley's birthday. He runs down the stairs, jumping on them to bring dust particles down to Harry. They go into like the next room. Everyone's celebrating over Dudley. Harry has to make breakfast. Dudley's being a little shit about the fact that he doesn't have as many presents as, as last year, despite the fact that some of them are considerably larger than last year, <laughs> which is uh, what Vernon tells him. But then they decide they're going to go to the zoo. And they all go get in a car. And they they all yell at a snake. They go. They're in front of a boa constrictor. They're all just yelling at it. Harry's standing there in front of the snake, and he just starts talking to the snake. Yep, because that's a normal thing for a human to do. Is wild. He's like, "Hey, Mister Snake." (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Like we we have to like we're gonna have to address this multiple times. Like again, like I've seen all these movies before. Some of the things... I, I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of the way... like Not necessarily the way it works, but at least what kinds of things you can do with magic in the Harry Potter universe. My next note is Harry Potter makes a sheet of glass disappear without verbal or somatic components. Yep, and without like, verbal or somatic components, doesn't have a wand. It is later implied that wandless magic is like the most powerful form of magic imaginable, yeah. let alone doing it without using any words. But yeah, we're jumping ahead because Harry does have a whole conversation with a snake where it turns out that he's like, oh, Mr. Snake, I'm just like you. You're separated from your family, but you'd like to get back there. The snake nods at a sign that says bread in captivity, and Harry says, me too, which is just really sad. Harry's not the, like... The, the thing, key takeaway from here is that Harry is not the least bit surprised that he's talking to a snake. Like, he, he like, yeah. there is no shock that registers with him. He's just like, oh yeah, a snake, yeah, fair enough, I'm talking to it. Then Dudley comes back over, and he's like, oh, the snake's doing stuff now, because, like, Harry was talking to it, and he's just, like, tapping the glass and being a little shit. So Harry looks at the glass hard, and it disappears... He casts wandless, wordless magic, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Dudley falls into the snake enclosure, and the snake does escape. I feel like we've kind of already decided that 2019 is our year of reconciliation with snakes. So, my first Most Valuable Player <laughs> nomination I'm glad movie. that's, that's the, the, the decree we've put out now. Yeah. This is our year of, like, just, just repairing the bridges with snakes. Yeah. You know? After centuries so, of, uh, of damage. Interspecies violence. I mean, we kill them, they kill us. This year, I'm drawing a line in the sand, befriend a snake. So, we're going to give the snake an MVP. Just for... The, the official nomination is for seeing his chance at escape and taking it. But the real reason we all know is because, you know, we're just, like, trying to be cool with snakes now. Vernon is all yelling about how he just knows Harry was responsible for getting rid of the glass. Which, to be fair, true. Yeah. But also an insane thing to assume. <laughs> like, also, nobody is, again... Nobody is surprised enough. No, everyone's kind of like, oh, that weird kid. It's it's bizarre. But also, like, the glass is just gone, and nobody like really seems to wonder well, where it glass, is. The glass or where is gone, and then Dudley's having fallen in. The glass reappears with him inside. Yeah, yeah, that opens further questions, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, it suggests a yeah. control over magic, which frankly is terrifying. Uh, Harry starts getting mail in the mail now. A letter falls through the notebox that says, For Mr. Harry Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, number four, private drive. And the Dursleys are so fucking spooked, Vernon picks up the letter and just rips it the fuck to shreds with (laughs) the funniest fucking facial expression. And, like, this becomes a recurring theme. Like, we get a little montage here where this letter just keeps getting delivered and every day Vernon's just like... 
as he's tearing all these letters apart or he's throwing them in the fire and he's just got the most he's just doing the most face work here like no question about that then it is Sunday and Vernon is sitting there going you know what I love most about Sundays no post on Sundays and he's doing this like weird cross-eyed expression while he says it as though like the continued appearance of male Harry Potter has driven him literally insane and he's just like incapable of processing it they're being harassed by owls more and more letters are coming in so Vernon decides yes. it's a big no to mail in general and he just boards up at the letterbox seemingly this guy yep. has no responsibility to the outside world he just no, like no no he runs a tight ship yeah, and so he uh, barricades it up, and then they the house is attacked by a flurry, a, a windstorm, a hurricane of letters, just like coming in through the chimney, bursting in through yeah. the boarded up like letterbox, and just like blasting all over the place. And I have to say, it, Harry like doesn't get a thousands. single one of the letters. No, he really doesn't. Like, literally, like, they are everywhere. They are carpeting the floor of the house. And he's like, they're for me! There are fucking 100,000 of them! And he, like, tries to pick one up out of the air. He fucks it up, and, like, Vernon locks him under the stairs before he can get one. One letter. Anyway. And he also declares that we're going away, far away, where they can't yes. find us. Which, number literally, one, an absurd solution to deal with this child that you getting hate. Getting mail. Number two, what is his job? Did he retire? Like, what's his whole vibe? <laughs> How can he just be like, we're going away to live in, like, a shitty cabin, like, on an island, just to get yeah. away from mail? Also, like, what is his where vibe? did he get... Yeah, just to get away from the mail. Also, where did he get the cabin? Yeah. Like, what I don't understand is, if you hate Harry Potter so much, and, like, it's later revealed that it's because they know Harry Potter is a wizard, and they, like, don't want any of that in their perfectly good, you know, Christian family. Family. like <laughs> why not just put the kid up for adoption or something mm. like why why do you you'd be like let's fucking reroute our entire existence around avoiding mail being sent to this child that we hate so they move to an island in the middle of fucking nowhere <laughs> and hagrid just shows up the big boy from the motorcycle yeah. before and just kicks in the door he kicks like, in the door like, Vernon pulls up a gun and is like, what the fuck? And then uh, Hagrid comes over, like, fucks with a gun and just states, dry up Dursley, you great prune. He then turns yep. around and starts fat-shaming Dudley, basically being mm -hmm. like, oh, jeez, mate, you're a bit bigger than I thought you'd be. <laughs> and then Harry <laughs> pops around the corner being like, no, it's me. And he's like, oh, thank God, you're Harry Potter. That makes sense. So it turns out it's Harry's 11th birthday, and Harry Hagrid, the big, wonderful boy that he is, has showed up with a cake for Harry. He showed up with a big cake that says... Happy birthday, Harry, on it. And it is a bit fucked up, but it's very sweet anyway. I mean, it's a lot fucked up. And yeah, the whole thing's a lot fucked up. We also get here a bunch of lines real quick. Very famously, you're a wizard, Harry. Harry's yeah, response. so Hagrid just drops it. Yeah, He just ha drops it. He's yeah. just like, by the way, you're a wizard. Uh, to which Harry replies, I'm just Harry. And then he's like, Haha, well, actually, Harry, you've been accepted to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, and then uh, Petunia, his aunt, reveals that she knew that uh, his mother was uh, a witch, as his father was also a wizard. She says that uh, her parents were so such a big, uh, th uh, so excited about it. They used to say things like, "We have a witch in the family. Isn't it wonderful?" Which, out of context, a really bizarre thing to say. She then goes yep. and says she went and got herself blown up. Which, yes. what a wild thing to say to someone. But also, like, begs the question here. Like, what made very little sense to me in this scene was, like, how much does Hagrid know, like, about what Harry knows? 
Because, like, does he, like, yeah. d- does Hagrid know that his parentage and, and the whole wizarding world has been kept secret from him? Because it's implied that he does, but also implied that he doesn't. Because when he comes in and gives Harry the fucking invitation to Hogwarts letter that every wizard gets on their 11th birthday, he's like, oh, you, you know all about Hogwarts, though, Harry. And then, like, when Harry's like, what's Hogwarts? His next line is, you're a wizard, Harry. Like, so it, it's like, wait, hang on. Like, that, that oscillates wildly from, like, oh, insider knowledge about the wizarding world to, like, step one, basics, you are a magical wizard. And it's just like, what does Hagrid think Harry knows? Like, it, it's either too much or too little information. There's no world in which you're a wizard, Harry, is the right thing to say at that moment. He drops muggle, which means uh, non-magical folk when referring to the, the Dursleys. Uh, he yeah, like wins- really derisively. Like he's yeah. like he's like Harry's like come with me, Harry. And Harry's like, oh gee, what about the Dursleys? And he's like, oh, those fucking Muggles. I yeah. don't think they're gonna do shit he, about it. Well, yeah, he definitely also starts threatening and harassing the Muggles with magic, which should be and is like super illegal. Like you should, yeah. Not, like there are implications with access for this to magic. Later. Go in and like transfigure someone. That's wild. But he does, in fact, cast a spell on uh, Dudley, Dudley, who is eating Harry's cake, uh, and then turns him, uh, basically gives him, like, a pig's tail, um, and it's all yeah. very now, funny. Now, I, I and will dangerous. say, I will say, the fact that Dudley, like, sees this fucking gross-looking cake, and just, like, he's in the middle of, like, meeting a wizard who's just broken into his house, and his reaction is to just fucking tuck into this shitty cake. It's like, (laughs) what an absolute lunatic. He just gets it done. He, like, sees cake, and he's like, well... I gotta eat it. <laughs> I think it's great. You know? I, I think I really appreciate his commitment to what he loves. Like, yeah, he's like, you know, B's got a buzz. Dudley's yeah. got to eat cake. <laughs> oh Jesus! So, all right, they fuck off. Like, as in Harry just gets on a magic motorbike with a big strange man, and they go to London to get supplies. Yep. Um, so they, they're ducking around in London town, they go into a bar full of people in strange hats, I would say if this is a secret bar for wizards, maybe change your attire inside, because everyone in there looks fucking spooky. Um, (laughs) the bartender sees Harry and declares, bless my soul, it's Harry Potter, and the entire bar just shuts up. Nobody's explained to Harry why he's famous, or really anything. Like, so far he's been like, you've been invited to Hogwarts, what? Oh, also, you're a wizard. What? Oh, also, your parents died in an explosion? Oh. Anyway, let's go to London. And he's just like, great. It's uh, it, it's a lot to happen pretty quick. And I will say, though, being secret famous, highly oh, dude, Yes. I love so the idea. So many teen movies, right, are like all about being yeah. secret famous. I love that. Secret fame. Very, very <laughs> good. Uh, we meet a dude wearing a turban named Professor Quirrell. Uh, it seems like he's going to be important later. Apparently, he's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts, mm-hmm. as we have learned. Uh, they walk out the back, because they're not in the right part of London, because Harry's like, oh, gee, where are we going to find... He's got, like, a shopping list of, like, school supplies. And he's like, where are we going to get all this, Hagrid? And Hagrid's like, <laughs> stick with me, kid. And then takes his big umbrella and taps it on a few bricks in the back alley, and some CGI that actually holds up pretty okay for 2001 yeah. happens. And uh, the bricks slot out of the way, and they enter Diagon Alley. <laughs> Diagonally! (laughs) (laughs) There's all these really poorly designed wonky buildings, um, which, again, like, for some reason... 
wizards just have no respect for like clean lines and architecture because every single wizard yeah. building other than like Hogwarts because it's like a genuine castle is just like like very poorly designed and held together like by ma- by some magical means it ties into that idea from like JK Rowling just inexplicably making canon the wizards used to shit themselves all the time which is that like wizards yeah just have like absolutely zero common sense and despite yeah. the fact that they like despite the fact that they have access to incredible magic, like, they wouldn't need to know how to build buildings properly. Like, they could use magic to do it. They just don't. They just don't do, like, seemingly obvious things. Yeah. Like, for me, the thing with the plumbing is, like, okay, so maybe, like, they wouldn't develop regular human plumbing, but they would develop a magical equivalent that didn't necessitate them just shitting on the floor. Like, they would have magic toilets. Rooms you just go into and it just vacuums the shit away. Like, anyway, okay, we can't can't with this. And... Yeah, we, we roll down the, str- we run down the street, uh, Harry, uh, like, they walk past some kids looking at the new Nimbus 2000, which is a very fast broom. Um, we get that incredible, just, just extras talking about, like, oh, stuff dude. for the sake of giving you context. So good, so good. Yeah. This little kid. This is the new Nimbus 2000, it's the fastest one yet! Like, yeah. the idea that, like, these kids are just standing in the street, saying things about this broom that presumably they all know. Like, yeah. they're all there looking at the broom because they know what the Nimbus 2000 is and they're very excited about the fact that it exists. But they just sit there being like, wow, that's the Nimbus 2000! <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah, fastest it's... one yet! <laughs> they go to Gringotts Bank, which I love that it's a thing. And it's a bank run by goblins, and there's some yes. weird race stuff. Definitely some going race stuff coming from these... Hagrid. Definitely Hagrid is like kind of racist. Yeah, he's kind of like smart as anything, goblins, but oof, don't come between them and their money. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not. Like, okay. It's not good. Hagrid rolls on up to um... Grip Hook. Is it Grip? Grip Hook. It is, dude. Nice. Um, yes, that was no Googling, 0% Googling. Go back to the tapes, listen for the typing, you won't (laughs) find it. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I go to Griffhook and he's like, hey, Harry Potter's here, he wants to take out all his money. Also, I'm here from Dumbledore, and I have a secret, top secret, secret thing. And it seemed sensible to combine these two missions. (laughs) Yeah, it seems sensible to take around an 11-year-old boy... To show what we find out is one of the most dangerous secrets in the wizarding yep. world. Which begins a long, long history of the just incredibly poor judgment of Albus Dumbledore and the staff of Hogwarts. <laughs> which we will come yeah. back to. And the misplaced time trust and time in Hagrid, the, gi- the giant oaf. Like, it's. Yeah. <laughs> but also, just like beyond the Hagrid thing. At every turn, like, the judgment that the staff of this fucking school have is just unfathomably poor. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So they go down into this very cool vault where they have to ride in, like, a minecart, Danison vaults, they get to Harry's vault. Turns out Harry's secretly fucking loaded. Yeah. So I guess his parents were rich when they died. And again, nobody felt the need to tell Harry this. No. And so he just takes a bunch of money because he's fucking loaded. And then they stop by the second vault and Hagrid does something very secret. Why did he let Harry come along? Who knows? Good anyway, question. now it's time for Harry Harry to go get his wand, which means it's time to go to Ollivander's. Yep. So now. We, we meet Ollivander, who is creepy as hell, who is just oh, so dude. creepy. He has such a fucking entrance. Like, 
The entrance on this dude, he slides into the room from the side, like, on one of those, like, fucking, like, bookshelf ladders, and, like, drops his glasses down and is like, Harry Potter, I wondered when I'd be seeing you. Yeah. He says some wild things here. He says he remembers every wand he has ever sold, which is, like... A big statement. An absurdly, and very impressive thing to say. Yeah, it's also kind of fucked up because essentially what he does here is give Harry three wands, two of which don't really work. He gives no descriptions of them. He finds one which makes, like, lights come on and wind rush, and it's like, oh, this is the one that's chosen you. And then he's like, fuck, that's the one that's for you? That's so weird. The brother of that wand was the one that gave you that scar and killed your parents. Why? killed your parents. By the way, yeah, you know how your parents were killed by the Dark Lord? Yeah. The one that matches this one is the very one that did that. Yeah. Anyway, like, enjoy yeah, your like, wand, right. kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's also definitely a Voldemort apologist. Here, we, we so we, we find out about Voldemort here, who is, like, yep. essentially the Hitler of the wizarding world. And Ollivander yes, is like, he did great things. Terrible, yes, but really great things. And he's like, all right, like, on, look, on your way. Yeah. Now, before we get through too, too far through, like, why Ollivander is terrible, and in fact gets my first LVP nomination for the movie, <laughs> by the way, uh, just for his whole terrible vibe. Okay. The first two ones he gives Harry, dude, don't do nothing. They blow shit up in his store. Yes. Like, Harry swings one of the wands, and, like, ten shelves come out of his bookcase, and shit goes everywhere. He swings the other one, it, like, blows up a lamp in the corner. Like, how much of Ollivander's day is spent just tidying up his store after he's given people the wrong wand, and they've just blown shit up? Is he just really fucking bad at this, or is it just really hard? And, like... Even the best guy in the world at it still fucks it up twice every time he does it. <laughs> yeah. Like, presumably, he must have, like, injured himself numerous times, right? Or, like... Like, not to mention, dude, every time a kid comes in there, they're, like, blowing shit off the shelves. <laughs> Hagrid buys Harry an owl as, like, a present, I guess. Yeah. And then Harry's like, hey, tell me about Voldemort, the dude who killed my parents. And Hagrid's yeah. like, oh, boy, I don't know about that. And then he Dude, starts telling Hagrid, the story. Yeah, he literally tells an 11-year-old boy that the serial killer who killed his family and tried to kill him is probably still alive in his <laughs> opinion. Still there and coming for him. Yeah, yeah it's it, it, like every, everyone reckons he's dead, but me, I think he's out there and he's going to come for you, Harry. It's like, all right. Yeah. So, like, he definitely, like, tells this whole story, which is pretty standard, like, pretty standard fantasy fare, where it's like, oh, there was a dark wizard who rose up, and he decided that everyone who wasn't a wizard was, like, subhuman, and therefore they deserve to die, and so he gathered around all these other dark wizards, and they went around just killing people, and a few people decided to oppose them, including your parents, so he killed your parents and tried to kill you, but you survived, and nobody lived once he decided to kill them, that's a direct quote, which is a pretty fucking, I don't know, it's just a weird way to say that, and then he, yeah, he describes, he says, the reason and Harry's famous so finally like after a day of him just stumbling around they've decided to tell Harry the reason he's famous which is that he is the boy who lived yes. it's irresponsible if we don't title pitch the boy who lived it's not going to be the title but it has to be in the running it has to be don't said. at me Hagrid takes him to the station, King's Cross Station, where he's like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna catch the Hogwarts Express from here bud and then promptly abandons him he's like figure it out from here okay. pal <laughs> he literally is like 
Stick to your ticket, Harry. It's very important that you stick to your ticket. Implying a degree of understanding that, like, this is going to be difficult for Harry. Because Harry looks down at his ticket, and it says platform nine and three quarters. But Hagrid has already fucked off. And so, like, (laughs) the question there for me is, like, does Hagrid know that that is going to be, like, a challenge for Harry and has just decided to abandon him? Or is he just, like, so dangerously out of touch that he just thinks that like oh he'll, he'll figure it out <laughs> of course nine and three quarters that's obvious what you have to do is run at the wall immediately between platforms nine and ten yeah. and you just teleport through gives him none of this information and just fucks off i don't know what, what what's your read on that no I, I i completely agree i literally wrote here that like Hagrid just batman's away and it's just kind of like well figure it out kid like there's no reason why anyone reason like there's no like, why anyone would think oh i guess i push myself through the barrier between the two places yeah. and like what would be gained by him like he could have met ron so coming up here this is like a nice meet cute essentially for like ron yeah. and harry to meet and him to meet the weasleys why could that not have just happened on the train or like around that area he could have been like okay cool nine and three quarters it's the barrier between nine and ten just walk through there you'll walk right through see you later kid yeah like wild uh, Harry bumps into the Weasleys, he- headed up by uh, Molly, the mother. Um, Molly and Weasley. Molly Weasley. She's got uh, uh, Fred and George, two twins. Uh, Ron, Ginny. Who else? One other one. Who cares? Um, Bill. B- B- uh, uh, Percy? Anyway. Um, the point yeah, is, Percy. a whole bunch of them are going to Hogwarts. Uh, uh, Molly shows Harry how to run through a uh, physical barrier to get to the other side and get onto the train. Harry What does I want to so- know is, these Weasleys are so bold. They're just doing this shit, like, loudly in the Dude, middle of public. all wizards! All wizards are smug! This is literally how they live their lives. Like, every wizard you see out in London is kind of like, <laughs> a little bit of magic here, don't tell anyone. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, and what's the implication there? Like, can it just not be seen? Like, if you're just standing in between platforms 9 and 10, is it just, are you just invisible? Like, what's the, uh, anyway, okay. So they go through, and now they're standing on a platform, and we see the Hogwarts Express. Ron and Harry are hanging out. Uh, they're friends now. And Ron is just fucking shocked to find out that Harry is Harry Potter. Then the the treat cart lady walks past, and she's like, any treats for anyone? And Ron holds up, did you, were you? able to determine I think what famously it was. they're corned beef sandwiches it's in a ball yeah like he doesn't have sandwiches he holds up a sphere of like beige material wrapped <laughs> in cling film and is like i'm all good thanks and he looks kind of sad about it but it's just very unclear what the actual sphere of beige material is at which point harry Yes, Harry displays the true magic in this film, which is what happens when you go from being very poor to very rich. Um, Yes, his own amazing personal wealth. Exactly. And and so he just declares that he's going to buy everything she has. um, Every single thing on the treat cart. Fuck everyone else in the train. Nobody else is allowed any candy. Harry and Ron are buying... All of it. Every single scrap. Yeah, it is. It's wild. And basically, like, they just sit there, like, shoving their face full of these weird wizarding treats. I will say, though, very interesting world building here. I think highly remakeable, like, pseudo-magical products, which is, like... Yeah, just 
they're like, magical, but the... just like a little bit magic. You know what I mean? Yeah, just like kind of whimsical, like vaguely yeah. magical things. Like um, really cool, like little details that really fill in the world. And there's like there's a lot of that in this movie and this franchise in general. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like oh now we have like a little two minute aside where like they're fucking around with birdie bots every flavor beans, which are these little like jelly beans that come in every imaginable flavor. And you know one of Ron's brothers once swore he got a bogey flavored one. And uh, then also they have the little chocolate frogs, which are actual magical chocolates that hop around like actual real frogs and then inside the chocolate frogs there are trading cards that like have famous wizards and witches wizards and witches in them and they actually like come and go between the paintings because they don't have time to sit there all day harry potter does pull out a dumbledore card and dumbledore is sitting right in it when harry pulls out the card which begs the question was he just like waiting for harry like who knows but (laughs) anyway yeah. The fun, whimsical um, candy. It's very remakeable. Um, we then get a Hermione coming in, a young witch. An uh, incredibly rude young woman. Yeah, incredibly rude. Um, <laughs> she's uh, already in her robes. She comes in and is like, do you guys do magic yet? I do. She bursts into the fucking cabin. Like, just like, so rude. And just starts like, talking over the top of everyone about how she knows magic and other people don't know magic yet. And then she's like, I've only tried a few simple spells so far, but they've all worked out really well for me. For example, she takes her wand, Hermione, an untrained by her own admission witch, and points it directly in Harry's face. And then she, an untrained witch, casts a magic spell directly into Harry's face. She casts a spell called Oculus Repairo, which repairs the taped together bridge of Harry's glasses. We're gonna come yeah. back to that it in a moment. It also gets but rid of like, his cataracts as well. It's great. I, I challenge the Hermione is a genius narrative based on the fact that the first thing we see her do on screen is the equivalent of pointing a loaded gun in the face of a child. <laughs> Uh, and then just like assuming her own skill with that gun is going to be sufficient to prevent her from killing the child because we later see people casting spells throughout the movie they're misfiring and just emitting jets of force or flame or blowing shit up a little bit because people cast seemingly innocuous spells wrong she literally could have killed the boy who lived right here anyway she does a fine job of casting oculus repero the other thing I wanted to bring up about Oculus Repairer, Jackson, she's only tried a few spells so far, but one of them is the very specific spell that you need to repair glasses. And she doesn't wear glasses! She's like, why does she know this spell? The boys are changed into their robes, um, Hagrid greets all the first years, to which Ron, upon seeing him, remarks, Whoa! Because he's a big giant dude. And then they then yeah. travel by boat. So they all get in little boats. It's and very magical. They, yeah, they sort of sail across this little river. Um, and then... And the they, castle's there. It's very whimsical and it just looks very cool. Yeah, it looks terrific. Um, they get inside the castle and the cat lady is back. Um, the and cat she, lady! Uh, Professor so McGon- McGonagall, Professor played McGonagall by the there. fucking national treasure Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Australia's national treasure, famously. Um, yes. and uh, she sort of details all the different houses at Hogwarts. She does okay. underline there okay. is a Nazi house for Nazis called Slytherin. There is all an the evil, evil house for evil children. Yeah. Okay, so this yeah. begins my questioning of yeah. the judgment of yeah. the people who run Hogwarts mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. being like, okay, well, 
So we're going to divide up all the children, and we'll just put all the evil kids together in a house that actively encourages them to be evil and do evil shit. And then, like, like, all of history's greatest villains have come from this house. That's what I mean. Like, the whole thing is like, oh, it's about pride and, like, uh, progress and glory and that sort of thing. And it's like, great, 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 but everyone you refer to is literally history's greatest villain. And they're like, yes, yeah. but what are we going to do? Not yeah. have them at Hogwarts? Then they go into the ceremony to sort the children, because that's the thing they need to do. Judge the children for their entire life right now, based on a magic hat that can see their soul. And also, we should acknowledge before that happens that we meet a, a little shit named Draco Malfoy, who yes. crushes it in this scene, dude. Yeah. This kid is incred- is an incredible actor compared to the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he really nails the brief of like someone that would consider like joining like the uh you know like the SS the Nazi like, party. Yeah, exactly. Like he's yeah. he's got that whole vibe. Um, and, so and not like join the Nazi party in the way that a lot of Germans did, like an early adopter. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> this guy was there on the front lines of the fucking beer hole push. One hundred percent, dude. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, they all head into the Great Hall. There's a speech by Dumbledore who outlines some stuff about, like, uh, the uh, the Dark Forbidden Forest is off-limits. again, a- the judgment. So Dumbledore is there and he's like, Hello, children, welcome to your new lives at this magic school. Don't go here or you'll die, and don't go there or you'll die as well. Anyway, like, maybe that's day two stuff. Like, yeah. maybe maybe let the yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, let yeah. the opening feast occur, and then start talking about all the ways the children can die yeah. horribly. But, but importantly, anyway, importantly, we then roll from this to the sorting uh, of students into houses. Uh, Based on a magical hat that can see their soul. Hat. Exactly, yeah. Yes. So everyone wears this strange old hat, which is very smug, like all the rest of the wizards. Um, and yes. this hat determines your life for you and bases, like looks into your soul and sees whether you're uh, an evil okay. doing now, wizard or a good person. This was another thing. Like, So the sorting hat like is a recurring element of the Harry Potter series. I feel like it has like massive implications for like the magic of this universe. Because like, the sorting hat is a sentient being. It's a magic mind-reading hat with the yeah. ability to see your deepest, darkest soul. Well, like, if, but if you look at the hat and how it's designed, it looks like it's made from an old leather. So I think it's, it's yeah. human. I think it was a human witch that was like made into, <laughs> in, like, into leather for a hat and that was like cursed in some way. I think it's like a horrifying trophy of a Slytherin student. Do you think like do you th- do you think maybe like the sorting hat is like eternal punishment for like a previous generation's version of Voldemort? Ooh. Like their Voldemort they caught and they turned him into the sorting hat I and think they were so. like your life now is your hat yeah. and you have to we're, stare we're into not children's gonna kill souls. You. We're going to like transform you into an old leathery hat and you're going to live forever and only be able to help people. Hermione the fucking chick who nearly killed Harry gets sorted into Gryffindor which is the house for <laughs> I don't know, it's just, like, best heroes. house, right? Yeah, it's like, a, yeah. There it's is, the there's, like, an absolute class system with these houses. Exactly. Like, oh, here's, the, here's the house for evil kids. Here's the house for fucking top, top-notch blokes. Yeah. There's and, one for and- nerds and one for the rest. That's that's literally, like, the breakdown. Um, So, so Malfoy gets up there and is instantly Slytherin. Um, yep. as, uh, like, Ron sort of, like, wanders up there as well, he's 100% gonna be a Gryffindor. Uh, Harry oh, yeah. Scar is hurting while he's looking at one Severus Snape, the now, no- notably, notably, the hat, the hat is put on Ron's head and goes, huh, another Weasley. <laughs> 
obviously Gryffindor. Yes. Because apparently there are a lot of Weasleys. A lot of Weasleys. Now, as... So Harry's looking at Snape and his scar is hurting. And then we get uh, another student called up. One Susan Bones, uh, which is a title pitch for me. Um, who probably gets uh, shuffled Bones. into uh, Hufflepuff. And I was kind of like, do we ever see this character again? And I think as right, an extra, Jackson. we do. Uh-huh. I do have one thing here on the Harry Potter fandom website under physical appearance, which says that Susan was known for wearing her hair in a long plait down her back. In 1996, she splinched herself while practicing uh, apparition. And in doing so, she lost one of her legs. However, Susan was able to have her legs successfully reattached by the heads of houses, but the ordeal left her confidence somewhat shaken. What a fact about a character to include in the wider lore of this franchise. Dude, here's some more wider lore about Susan Bones from House Hufflepuff. (laughs) She was involved in Dumbledore's Army, which, I don't know, what is that, like the fifth book? I don't know, anyway. And... Uh, she's described as a student in Harry's year. She is the niece of Ministry of Magic official Amelia Bones and deceased Order of the Phoenix member Edgar Bones. Yeah. Eleanor Columbus, daughter of director Chris Columbus, portrayed Susan in a non-speaking role in the first two films. <laughs> Dude, that's Chris Columbus's fucking daughter. Dude. Yeah, so this now leads us to Harry going up there. The hat is definitely trying to push him into Slytherin, being like, you could do terrible and great things in there, but then ultimately decides to put him in Gryffindor, which Harry's very happy about and Ben at this point now that all the students we see have been sorted I kind of want to ask you to go on to Pottermore and get sorted into a house oh jinkies Jackson alright okay do you want to whilst I'm setting up my Pottermore account because I don't have one uh, at all do you want to explain what Pottermore is to everyone who's listening at home so basically Pottermore is the I guess the continuation of the Harry Potter universe once the books and the films have come out. Um, It's sort of created by, and like allegedly, like everything that happens is from J.K. Rowling, but I think there are other writers involved there as well. What is this? Um, But basically. It's like asking me to buy shit. You don't need to buy shit. You you do not need to buy shit, my guy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. It's just telling me to. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Discover your Hogwarts house. Okay, okay. go on. Yes, yeah, so, so very, very quickly, basically, you can do things... Uh, all, all, you can find out all manner of additional lore about the Harry Potter world, um, and the first thing you do when you get onto Pottermore is get sorted into your house, which uh, is linked to your email address or whatever, and you can't do it again, basically. Unless you do what I'm doing, which is making a burner email address, because I don't want a bunch of shit from JK Rowling forever. <laughs> Yeah, I think I did the same thing. I think I did the same thing. Be sorted and discover your house. Is there like a quiz involved? Yeah, dude. Okay. Wait, hang on. The sorting hat by J.K. Rowling. Okay. Or the sorting ceremony. Begin the experience. Okay, wait. Begin the experience, dude. And, oh my god, I've been sorted into Slytherin. Do you think it was that last question? <laughs> I'd have done it. Oh, fuck, dude. That's oh, so funny. Boy. More about it. my house. Let's find out what Potomoss says about Slytherin. <laughs> you probably know that some of Slytherin's most renowned members include Severus Snape and Bellatrix Lestrange. Did you know Merlin himself was a Slytherin? There you oh, go. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh... You can share Slytherin pride with your friends with downloadable wallpaper and house emblems. Ben. So there you go. Ben. Oh, God. I would pay so much money for you. For you if I make my Facebook picture with a Slytherin. 
Okay. Uh, here's the bargain I'll make you, Jackson. Okay. If we if we get enough messages on Facebook saying Ben, please make your profile picture the Slytherin House logo, I'll do it. Okay. Harry gets Gryffindor because, of course, he does, and then they have a big feast, and there are a bunch of literal dead people just flying around in the feast hall, and Harry just barely reacts. Again, continuing his grand tradition of just barely reacting to really mm-hmm. surprising mm-hmm. shit. Um, pranks uh, we as meet well, Severus highly remakeable. Like the, the ghosts are just going around pranking everyone, right? Of course, because there are literal go- they're like literal ghosts of human dead people, which again mm-hmm. begs a question about the way death works in this world. <laughs> it does. Uh, and Snape is there. We meet Severus Snape, he's played by Alan Rickman, and he's the potions master, and that's all we need to know about it. Also, he's in Slytherin, and therefore probably evil, uh, as you've just heard. So, Sir Nicholas is dead, uh, he's one of the main ghosts, he's played by John Cleese, and now it's time for the children all to go to bed. Is he played by John Cleese? I feel like he is. Yes, yes he is. And the prefects all have to wear very stupid little hats, which I find very fun and very funny. And the prefects guide the students to their different dorm rooms. It's the first year Gryffindor common room. And uh, the painting is alive in front of it. All the paintings are alive. There's so much like wacky world building that goes on in this scene. There's a sorting hat, there's ghosts, there's fucking living paintings that talk to people. And it turns out all the common rooms are guarded by like a painting. You need to give the painting the password and then it swings open and lets you right on in. But we get the boys being late for McGonagall's class, and like Ron's like, Well, hey. not McGonagall's class. Their first fucking class. Yes. Their first class at magic school they show up late for. And then they're fucking... like, Ah, oh, so glad McGonagall wasn't here. We beat her. Uh, we, at least we beat her. And then, of course, the cat on the oh. desk jumps forward, and it is McGonagall, yes, the famed cat lady. Um, huge MVP not for me for McGonagall there because that is such a play to yeah, be like, dude. Oh, two of my students are late. I'm just going to turn into a cat and sit on the desk. <laughs> and. Jump through the air and transform into a human being. The potions class with Severus Snape, uh, he sort of like starts dunking on using wands and other magic, and is like, for me, it's only potions, uh, which is like sort of a strange vibe. Uh, which he we starts- also later learn is not true. Yes. He, he also definitely, definitely does, does use other magic. He definitely does dunk on Harry and ask him a bun- bunch of like Just complicated way questions, much. and is just kind of like, I hate you, Harry so- Potter. So Alan Rickman is putting in work here because, of course, this is a scene for a classically trained actor. And he's just talking about, like, I can teach you to brew glory and distill greatness. And, like, Harry, being the fucking dipshit that he is, is writing all this down. He's writing down, like, "Mm, distill glory, brew greatness. And then, like, Alan Rickman, Snape is like, not paying attention, Potter, even though he is paying attention. He's taking notes on your monologue. He then proceeds to just dunk on Harry, be like, mm, I guess being famous isn't everything, is it? <laughs> Big fart noise for Snape. We hate him. We hate him, we um, hate him, we hate him. Rolling on from here, they're back in the Great Hall, they get some mail, um, of which a newspaper reads that uh, someone broke into Gringotts after Harry uh, and Hagrid yeah. were there. And then it's time for flying class. They're yes. outside, fucking, they're learning how to fly with broomsticks. Yep, Malfoy then steal, steals Neville Longbottom's Rememberall, a little, like, gadget to help him, like, tell him when he's forgotten something. Uh, he taunts, uh, then Malfoy taunts Harry. Harry, having never flown a broomstick before, gets on one and flies up uh, to get it. Uh, Malfoy... He's just impossibly talented at it. Impossibly Just, like, talented. immediately, zero to fucking perfect 
wizard. And, like, we've literally just seen Neville get on a room for the first time and goof it and crash and break his arm. Yeah. And then the next thing that happens is, like, Malfoy steals his thing and so Harry just fucking picks up a broom and he's like, I'm the best boy in town. <laughs> and this is the point that I wanted to point out that this school is startlingly dangerous. Yes, like, dude. It, so dangerous. Like, these children are unsupervised, flying around on magic brooms. Basically, Malfoy ditches uh, Neville's remember all into the air. Harry like flies full speed towards a building, and then the last second banks up and then catches a remember all. Uh, Professor McGonagall uh, sees this comes down there as everyone's cheering on Harry and is like, Harry, come with me. Immediately leads him to one Oliver Wood, who's captain of the Quidditch team, and she's literally like a talent scout, being like, hey, I found you a new seeker. How dope. No punishment whatsoever. 100% cool at Hogwarts for Harry to be doing what he did. <laughs> then they're climbing around in the staircase. Harry, Hermione, and Ron, just like being friends, being buds, hanging out in the stairs. Yeah. And... They just cannot stay out of trouble to save their lives. Like, they're absolute fucking idiots because the staircase gets redirected. Like, because the staircases in Hogwarts are huge fucking trolls. They're, like, sentient and they just like to fuck with people. So they're walking up a staircase trying to go somewhere. The staircase moves and takes them to the third floor corridor, which is one of the places that Dumbledore said at the first feast that they would die if they went into. And so they're like, well, I guess we should just go in here. They go in there. There's a locked door. They open the locked door using a magic spell. And then inside the room is a giant three-headed dog that does attack the shit out of them. Why did they break into the room? Amazing question. These children cannot stay out of trouble to save their lives. We go to Oliver Wood showing Harry Quidditch, uh, who I had to say, Oliver Wood, very charming man. Um, oh, and yeah. basically, he just runs him through the rules of the, of, of the game, which is like, there's a snitch, which is worth like 150 points if someone catches it. Otherwise, okay, you get so, 10 yeah. points for hitting the quaffle through the hoops. And then there are yeah, yeah, bludges, yeah. which like are like offensive. Yeah, uh, f- offensive balls. All right. This scene is very fun, but it begs a question that I have always had about Quidditch, which is that like most games of Quidditch end with the seeker catching the snitch and getting 150 points. Like... What is the point in even having the rest of the game? That's what I mean. Because, like, like spoiler, it is, spoiler. It is so... It is so... Like, you can't have an element of the game which is, like, a 15 times multiplier. Like, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, and it's, like, it's the only thing that matters in the game. Like, why is there even the rest of the game? In order... Because, like, catching the snitch wins the game. In order for the snitch not to be the game winner, the team, like, that didn't catch the snitch would have had to have been up by over 15 goals when the snitch gets caught. And then at that point, the team that's down 15 goals just doesn't catch the snitch because they know it's going to end the game. They're going to wait till they're back within range and then catch it. But, at any rate, goals aren't that common in this game. In the first game of Quidditch we later see, both teams are on 30 points when the snitch gets caught and it's just like oh cool so all of that was just completely redundant like how could you play this game and not feel so fucking redundant also spoiler spoiler in one of the later books they're at the Quidditch World Cup and like there's a big deal made out of the fact that one team caught the snitch but the other team still won and that's implied that that's like a huge deal because it never happens (laughs) which if that's the case then the rest of Quidditch is just fucking pointless you may as well just have the two seekers out there and other people trying to like like stop and or protect them that's a way more interesting game 
Yep, the enchantment class with Professor Flitwick. Uh, Hermione yeah. is clearly the most talented witch here. And, like, throughout the film, actually, like, honestly, a quick MVP. I know she's kind of a dick, but, like, Hermione has magical powers and then is like, <laughs> I want to learn about magic and actually bothers to study. Yes. Everyone else in the Hermione school seemingly sense. is like, I have magic. Eh, whatever. I'll deal with that later. Yeah. Um, so a quick MVP to her That's- there. Um, All right, we are getting a picture here that Hermione's a fucking wizard prodigy, and mm-hmm, that kid mm-hmm. Seamus from before is just really unlucky and/or really bad at magic because he's trying to cast the spell that makes things float, and it does backfire and blow him up a little bit. Yeah. So we also get here the yeah. classic: uh, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa, which is like you know, which one would of be the a title pitch? Well, yeah, but, I mean, would be if it wasn't so well known, but yeah, definitely. Um, and then okay. on the way out of here, so, Ron definitely bullies uh, Hermione. He's just a dick. He just bullies her. Bullying at Hogwarts is weird because, like. The thing that doesn't make sense to me about bullying at Hogwarts is, like, Malfoy, the guy from Slytherin, the Slytherin shithead kid, is implied to be, like, you know, the school bully, right? At least for the first years here. Mm-hmm. But, like, we see in the scene where Malfoy steals Neville's Remember All and then Harry gets it back, literally every person there, like, mobs Harry and is like, yeah, Harry, you did it, you're so great, except for the other two Slytherins that are standing around. So it's literally, like... A minority, like, usually that's not how bullying works. That, like, the bully is, like, universally reviled and unpopular, and the people that they're bullying and the people who stand up for them are the people everyone actually likes. Like, that's that's not really how it works, but, like, it is in this movie. (laughs) Now it's a spooky October feast. I guess they've been at school for, like, several months at this point. And then Quirrell uh, rocks up, Professor Quirrell, and he yells out that there's a troll in the dungeon. There's a troll in the dungeon. passes out, everyone freaks out. Yeah, LVP, by the way, just because so far all we've seen him do in the movie is just be this weak, pathetic man who's, like, stuttering and a afraid of things and he had a really weird moment with an iguana for no reason and now he literally passes out in the middle of a dining hall full of humans after announcing that there is like a life-threatening danger somewhere in the castle uh so Dumbledore announces he's like all right everyone stay calm this is an easy fix for this we're a bunch of highly trained wizards those of us who are highly trained wizards will go deal with the troll. The rest of you go back to your bedrooms, like go back to your dorms. Prefects take the kids back to their dorms. The most sensible judgment displayed by anyone within the administration of Hogwarts. Um, so then they start leaving and Harry realizes that Hermione is still in the girl's bathroom because she was busy crying because Ron was such a dick to her. And... Then they just, rather than telling anyone this, rather than telling an adult that they know Hermione's in the girls' bathroom, because, like, it's not like she was going to get in trouble for that. If you were in the bathroom when, like, a troll attacked, you're like, you're not in trouble for that. She just happened to be in the bathroom when the troll attacked. And so they split off from their group, being led by the prefect back to their dorm room, to go save her themselves. Two first years who have no magical abilities really at all. They get into the bathroom just as the troll happens to be wandering into the girls' bathroom. Hermione has some really bad luck in this scene this giant fucking troll like a cave troll from lord of the rings is like swinging a big club around just desperately trying to kill hermione just desperately 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 trying to kill hermione then harry we we cannot deny 
super fucking brave. He, he runs into the bathroom. There's a giant troll that's probably four times his height. His immediate reaction is to jump on its back and stick his wand right up its nose. Now, <laughs> you think maybe he's going for a kill shot here? Like, no, right up the nose? And then, that's the whole plan. <laughs> like, yeah, the whole plan is to stick his wand up the troll's nose. Uh, he then just gets, like, flung around by the troll a little bit. Ron actually succeeds in doing some magic by levitating the troll's own staff and then bonking it on the head with its own staff. Yes. Now, the troll does pass out, and the kids are standing there, and at this point I'm like, alright, like, I'm pretty fucking impressed with these kids, like, they actually have a little bit of talent. Yeah, and then yeah. the staff show up, and they're like, oh, five points from Gryffindor for you, Miss Granger, for being strapped in the bathroom, and then Harry and Ron have ten points each. Which is the beginning of the fact that the school just... Just makes it up with oh the my points. God. They're literally they doing just... who's line, right? Like it's just like yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything's stupid. made up. Absolutely. We're heading into a Quidditch match. Before then, it's no- worth noting that at breakfast one morning, uh, McGonagall, as head of Gryffindor, is like kind of buys Harry a Nimbus two thousand. Like this broom, the one we saw earlier, drops in front of him. Now he, he is looks that up. What happened? Well, he looks up and like like McGonagall's looking at him as like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought it was just like we had no idea where this broom came from, and Harry doesn't question it. And no, it's good it's yeah, I, I think literally talent scout and like coach like McGonagall is like, all right, we need to get you like the fastest broom. Which for me, and like let's get to the Quidditch now. It's it's Slytherin and, and Gryffindor coming up against each other. The way this works is that richer wizards are able to purchase better brooms. There's a snitch, yeah. which is worth 150 points. What is the what is the balance in this game? Like, it's wild. It's like Polo in that it is a game for the rich elite. Yes. If also in Polo there was, like, a special magic ball that just ended the game. Yeah, exactly. So, Quidditch is happening now. Harry's the youngest seeker of all time. The seeker is the name of the person who has to catch the snitch. He's flying around. Honestly, this scene's kind of fun. It's quite cool. Uh, yeah. Fun magical sports. I love fun magical sports. And I would Very say they're highly remakeable. I would say that. Uh, well. So, there's a... Look, there's a lot of sports happening here. People are flying around. We're not going to recap it all. So people score some really inconsequential points with the quaffle. And then there's a montage where all the Slytherin kids are playing dirty because of the characterization. And Harry's going after the snitch. And then at one point, Harry's broom just starts fucking wigging out. And Hermione's sitting in the stands and she's like, Harry's broom, what's going on? And then she pulls out her binoculars and sees Snape muttering under his breath. And is like, oh, that dastardly Snape. He's jinxing Harry's broom. So, Hermione, the fucking lunatic, sneaks over under the bleachers and sets a teacher at the school's fucking cloak on fire because <laughs> she's suspicious of the fact that he's fucking with the game. Of course, Snape gets up because he's on fire and Harry's broom immediately stops fucking dicking around. And he gets on top of it and he starts flying it through the air and he definitely does catch the snitch. Now, we have to question whether or not he has had any training other than the brief training we saw him have with Oliver Wood earlier in the movie, but like, he is unfortunate 
unfathomably talented at this. Like, yes. he at one point is, like, zooming along on the ground at top speed and, like, right above the ground chasing the snitch. And he, like, stands up, like, surfing USA style yeah, on dude. He the surfs broom. the broom and then he swallows the snitch. Like, it's such a power like, play. he's just stunting. And there's no need for him to do that. Like, he can fly the broom one-handed and reach out and get the snitch, but instead he decides to, like, jump up on it and surf along while he tries to get the snitch. There is no need for that. But anyway, he's so fucking talented at it that he does succeed. What I want to know is, at this point, why isn't Harry the fucking king of school? He's like, like, beat up a troll in a dungeon. He's like thwarted Malfoy, somebody that everybody fucking hates. He's the youngest seeker in Quidditch history who just won his first game while stunting. Like, why aren't people way more into the concept of Harry Potter? Now the kids all go see Hagrid and they are like, hey, what's up with the three-headed dog from like 20 minutes ago? Like, where we were all hanging out and we accidentally found that three-headed dog and he's like, huh, Fluffy? I don't know anything about Fluffy. Oh, bugger. Anyway, don't you worry about what Fluffy's guarding. That's just between Mr. Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. And then they're like, who's Nicholas Flamel? And he's like, ah, beans. Um, And so the kids run off Hagrid is bad. Yeah, the kids run off and they try. <laughs> they run away. The kids decide they're going to try and research Nicholas Flamel. They're not sure where to find him, though, or like anything about him. Um, and then yeah. everyone goes over Christmas. Um, and so we walk. Except we get, uh, for Ron and Harry. Yeah, Ron, Harry, and some plebs. Uh, Hermione walks in, about to head home. Uh, Ron and Harry are playing a game of chess where you speak. Uh, use verbal components to make the, the pieces move, and then like the pieces yeah. brutally murder one another. Uh, to which yeah. uh, Ron, Ron replies tr- proudly, "That's wizard's chess," uh, which is very which fun. absolutely title pitch. Mm-hmm. That's wizard's chess, which I think is a description of the like House of Cards esque political intrigue that goes on within Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like they're playing a big magical chess game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're playing forty chess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's better than the joke I was going to do, so let's move on. Uh, Hermione's like, we have to go into the forbidden section of the library. Yes. Ron. And then glowers at Ron. Because (laughs) I guess, you know... He's a coward. We're sowing some seeds here. Yeah, it's now Christmas Day. Uh, Ron wakes up Harry. Harry comes downstairs. Ron's wearing a goofy sweater with like the letter R on it. And then um, Ron's like, yeah, I think like my mum made this. I think she made you one too. And then Harry's like, oh my god, I got presents? And then it runs down, which is just really sad. Um, it turns out Harry gets an invisibility cloak from someone yep. he doesn't know. Um, Unnamed, to which point he, and he, he doesn't ask. Yeah, he he doesn't, doesn't even think about it. He He's so ask. bad at asking questions. He also puts it on, looks down, and is like, my body's gone, which was definitely <laughs> yeah. a title pitch for me. He's just such a fucking idiot. Ron's family is super sweet, though, because they definitely made presents for Harry. Uh, and then the next thing that happens is Harry sneaking into the restricted section of the library with his invisibility cloak on, and he's definitely holding a lantern out underneath the invisibility cloak, which I would argue defeats the purpose of the invisibility cloak. <laughs> I would say because that also. Because you can just see the lantern. Like, he's just holding it. Like, what is the point in having the cloak? Anyway, yeah. and then Filch, the caretaker, is like, what's going on around here? Harry, is that you, Harry? And then, <laughs> yeah... Uh, he runs away, he puts the cloak back on and runs away. Dude, I must say here that 
this level on PlayStation. I'm not sure if you've ever played the PlayStation 1 game, but <laughs> I remember it so much. Like, Filch walking really around hard. and you get to stay out of his light. It's very good. So, we see Quirrell and Snape having a spooky moment in the corridor. We don't really know what's going on there because Harry runs, runs away right past it. And then he finds a spooky mirror and sees his dead parents in it and then runs to get his friend Ron in the middle of the night because why it can't wait? Nobody knows. So he gets Ron and brings him back to the mirror and it's like, hey, Ron, look, it's a mirror with my parents in it. And Ron's like, your parents aren't in this mirror, you little dickhead. This is a mirror that shows me as head boy and also Quidditch captain. Whoa, do you think this is a mirror that shows the future? And then Harry says, well, it can't show the future because both of my parents are dead, which is a sad boy title pitch. Both of my parents are dead. Um, and we'll also say it's insane that Ron's ultimate dream is to become head boy and to play Quidditch because he doesn't even play Quidditch. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, I know. He's yeah. not even, like, trying out for the team or anything, but that's his, like, ultimate dream. So Ron um, goes away, and Harry just sits there looking at this mirror. Yeah, eventually, like, so Harry, uh, comes, like, basically, he, like, keeps coming back to this mirror, just, like, hang out with his dead parents, and then Dumbledore comes in and just mocks him, basically being like, oh, Harry, don't waste your life looking at, uh, your parents, <laughs> and it's just kind of like, the, the mirror of error said, which is desire backwards. Yeah, um, okay, fine. kind of like, <laughs> it shows you what your heart desires. No, no Latin on this one. This one was just like, uh, no, yeah. the word backwards. Um, and this then basically a, yep. he's like, don't, you know, don't follow Del the Toro ghosts of your dreams, live in the past. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we then jump back from that to the Christmas break being over and Hermione had already found the book. So the whole thing was pointless, but basically Nicholas Flamel, uh, is a very old wizard, about 700 years old, who makes a philosopher's stone. <laughs> Uh, which grants him immortality, and that is what they think Fluffy is guarding. They go off to see Hagrid, and they're like, Hagrid, we know about the Philosopher's Stone and Nicholas Flamel, and Hagrid's like, ah, oh, fuck. They don't really gain anything out of that scene, though, because in an unrelated turn of events, Hagrid has a baby dragon hatch into his room. Hey, yes. Jackson, I have a feeling that magical animals are going to be uh... a remakeable element of this franchise. <laughs> I if I had to so. guess, I'd <laughs> say it's certainly the case. So they're just like hanging out and this little baby dragon hatches and Ron's like, oh, sweet. One of my older brothers works with dragons in Romania. Crazy. Anyway, uh, bye Hagrid. And then it turns out Malfoy was there. Now, the big question to me is, what the actual fuck was Malfoy doing there? Why was he there? What was he hoping to achieve? Like, what was he hoping to find? Was he just... Because, like, it's not like he could have, like, seen them walking the halls. Because it was nighttime, and he was, like, in the Slytherin dorm, which is, like, far away in a different part of the building. Was he just lurking in front of the Gryffindor common room, hoping that Harry, Ron, and Hermione left so he could follow them around? How did he get there? Presumably he's been doing this for, like, months now, right? Right? Like, ever yeah, since he every came back, night. he's like, I'm gonna get them. And he's just like, every night, that's what he does. Now they all get detention, and that is indeed all of them, because McGonagall is quick to point out that, well, Draco, you know, it's like, you know, how you can't you can't see someone else opening their eyes during prayer unless you're also opening your eyes during prayer. <laughs> he opened his eyes during prayer, and he has to get detention as well as a result. And the detention that they get is to go into the Forbidden Forest. Forbidden Forest is the name... And this yep. is another example of startlingly poor decision-making from the people who run this school. So they go over and they're like, okay, your punishment for going to visit your friend Hagrid outside of school hours is to hang out with your friend Hagrid outside of school hours. <laughs> so 
<laughs> it turns out Hagrid has a job to do in the Forbidden Forest, and Ned's attention is to just go help him do it. No, so the, the, prob- the, three- the problem is with it. So he's taking all these kids into the forest to find whatever's been killing unicorns. And then Hagrid is like, now nah, probably best we split up. And so he lets two 11-year-old children and his dog yep. walk off yep. in the opposite direction. His dog that he describes as a coward. They definitely see somebody, some figure, drinking unicorn blood. Harry Scar definitely starts hurting. S- like, spoiler alert, we later learn it's fucking Voldemort, the Dark Lord, and <laughs> Harry is literally, like, fucking Malfoy runs away, and Harry is literally only saved from being killed by this universe's equivalent of Hitler because a random fucking centaur just happens to be nearby. And also a centaur that knows everything that's happening inside Hogwarts. He's like, oh yeah, the Philosopher's Stone that uh, Fluffy the dog is guarding. I mean, guess who's going after it now? You better get there quick. Like, it's just... This dude knows a lot. He's like, oh, by the way, that thing that I just chased away, that was Voldemort. And it's just like, oh, awesome. So Dumbledore literally sent the one boy Voldemort once dead more than any other boy in the world into a forest containing Voldemort, and he nearly died if it wasn't for a good Samaritan passerby. Like... Dumbledore is, a, is an absolute fucking idiot. I'll, yeah. I'll die on that hill. <laughs> He's like, mm, Voldemort's out there. So, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoever gave Hagrid that dragon must be after the Philosopher's Stone for some reason. So Harry goes out to, to, to Hagrid, who is just straight playing the Harry Potter theme on his flute. So we definitely should acknowledge that there is some fourth wall breaking here. But he's just like, in fiction... Hagrid is sitting there playing a song about Harry Potter. <laughs> He's just like a cool guy. Uh, they're like, hey, Hagrid, remember when you got that dragon? What? Who gave it to you? And he's like, oh, this guy I met in a bar, he seemed really interested in Fluffy, my three-headed dog. And I told him that to get past Fluffy, you just have to play him some music. And then goes back to playing the flute. And then they're like, Hagrid, you fucking idiot. Obviously, that was someone trying to get past the fucking magical dog d- defenses. And, like, you just told them how to do it. And that, uh, anyway, they leave. They leave Hagrid to his, like, dim-witted flute-playing ways. And I'm pretty sure we don't really see him again until the end of the movie. Because what happens now is Harry... Ron and Hermione go to McGonagall and they're like, okay, so Voldemort's alive and we know about the Philosopher's Stone and uh, someone's trying to steal it and they got the intel from Hagrid about Fluffy and how to put him to sleep and McGonagall is just so uninterested in this valuable intel provided to her by children. She's like, I don't know how you three heard about the stone, but don't worry about it. We've got it under control. What the fuck, McGonagall? I gave you an MVP before. That's like just so stupid. And they're going to go out into the trapdoor with Fluffy in it by themselves and protect the Philosopher's Stone because apparently they think they're more suited to doing that than a bunch of highly trained wizards. It's wild. So we, we jump to the night where they're going to go down to, to the trapdoor, and as on the way out, they notice Neville's uh, toad, Trevor, and they're like, oh, fuck, Trevor's here. And then Neville sits up being like, you guys shouldn't be here. Neville Longbottom, like, noted pathetic first-year student, uh, sort of Dude, stands up gorilla and like, balls. kind of holds his own balls, against the three of them. Balls of a gorilla. Yeah, like, and then fucking Hermione <laughs> straight up petrifies him in such a yeah, cold again, manner. She does offensive magic directly at another student. She it's petrifies bad. him. It is horrific. The three kids go to the dungeon. 
the trapdoor that Fluffy was standing on that's guarding the entrance to the fucking place where the magical stone is. The dog's already asleep. There's a magical harp playing in the background and they're like, Snape's already been here because they just decided that it is Snape and Snape is definitely <laughs> the one who's doing it. Uh, then the music stops and they take so long to realise that it has stopped. Fluffy comes back to life, nearly bites their dicks off, and they fall down the trapdoor into some icky sticky vines. And then yes. we get a really uncomfortable scene uh, uncomfortable. where these children are just writhing around in a yes. bed of icky sticky vines. So, I hate it, I hate it, I hate so it. So they're in they're in this thing called like the, the Devil's Snare, um, and Hermione's like, you just gotta like chill out and relax, and then you'll like sink to the ground. Hermione does that, Harry does that, Ron is just screaming, LVP no chill at all all you have to do is relax and then uh Hermione has to cast this sunbeam spell to like uh because it's afraid of sun or something like that and the the devil snare parts and Ron falls through and is like hey it's all cool baby I was chill the whole time they then move and there's like a broomstick task where basically there's a bunch of like winged keys and they need to grab the right one as soon as Harry goes in and touches the broomstick though all the keys start chasing him but he grabs the right one like it's a snitch and they get it into the door and they open the door and like bail on through magic puzzles jackson so remakeable dude so now they arrive at a big wizarding chess board which turns out is exactly like wizard's chess which is what ron says about it where it's extremely dangerous like the, it's a giant chess board where the pieces like move around at your command and kill each other like just destroy each other with like big metal swords now i will note they realize that, like, they can't get across the room to the exit without playing chess because they try, and then the chessboard, like, activates and is like, hey, fuck you, you gotta play chess first. There yes. are exactly three missing pieces from this chessboard, which begs the question can you only do this puzzle? With three people. Because, like, Hermione takes the place of a castle, Harry takes the place of a bishop, and Ron takes the place of a knight. And then they proceed to play a game of chess, because it turns out Ron is incredible at wizard's chess. But, like, what would have happened if they'd had three people? Or, sorry, two, two people rather than three. And how did, spoiler, spoiler, the person who's already in this dungeon ahead of them get through this particular puzzle? It doesn't actually make any sense whatsoever. Ron figures out a way forward where he can draw the queen and allow Harry to get checkmate on the king, but it does mean sacrificing himself. Uh, Ron, honestly, MVP here, because he straight up, like, watches as this, like, lethal-appearing, like, queen comes over and, like, destroys his knight piece. Doesn't actually get a yeah, hit now, in on him, but he does take yes, a small exactly. tumble. So he falls off the back of, a like, a one-meter-high horse and just lands on the ground. Now... Now, is it MVP, Jackson, or is it LVP? Because it isn't made at all clear that he needs to stay on the horse for it to work. <laughs> like, he's riding the horse in the place of the knight, but, like, Harry and Hermione don't have to, like, use the pieces of, like, their set piece. And, like, also, like, in the other ones, he can just command around. Like, he doesn't... He, he's like, oh, you, pawn, go to D5. Like, he doesn't probably need to be riding this horse when it gets attacked by the queen. And it also doesn't actually hit him at all. It just knocks over the horse and he just falls down yeah. to the ground. And Harry's like, Hermione, stay with Ron. Uh, I'm going to go finish the dungeon. And Hermione's like, okay, I'm sure glad we came along. <laughs> and she stays behind with the unconscious Ron. And he walks down into the final room where we see the mirror of Erised and also Professor Quirrell. And he's standing there and Harry Potter's scar starts hurting. And whilst his scar is hurting... Quirrell just starts fucking outlining his plan 
on the spot rather than just murdering the defenseless child who like his dark lord Voldemort once murdered more than anything else he just is like oh ah you wonder when you'd catch up who would have ever thought old sniveling professor squirrel turns out it was all an act and he's a big boy and then he's like hey do you know where the philosopher's stone is because i can't find it harry walks up to the mirror of erised and sees himself in the mirror smugly reach into his pocket pull oh, out the dude. philosopher's stone and he then gives put it himself back a into his pocket it's so funny. Harry then feels his pocket, realizes the stone is in there. How? Is that the kind of magic that exists in this world? Again, the implications. I like know. the implications for the later Harry Potter fiction of the way that this supposedly works. But anyway, we then get Quir- Quirrell being like like another a voice comes out of the back of his head and is like let me talk to him. I'll figure it out. And so Quirrell unwraps his turban and renting the back of his head is the spirit of Voldemort. But then it does appear that Voldemort can read Harry's mind because the fleshy weird face of Voldemort attached to the back of Quirrell's skull is like, it's in his pocket! Get him! And so Quirrell, it turns out, also can just, like, fly because, like... He, like, jumps across the room like a fucking magic flying boy and tackles Harry. At this point, I have to give an LVP to Dumbledore for, like, his gross negligence and literally hiring the Dark Lord by mistake. (laughs) Like, he he hired someone to be his Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at the school who was harboring the Dark Lord within his (laughs) turban. Like, the one person on the planet he shouldn't have hired is the person that he hired. So, LVP. Harry has literal magic hands that when he touches Quirrell, Quirrell incinerates and turns to dust. I forgot this was how this ended. Because the implications that this carries for the later franchise are just beyond the pale. Like, just the idea that, like, Harry has magic burning hands that he can use (laughs) to turn evil people aligned with Voldemort into literal dust. He does kill a man. Harry is 11 years old and he kills a man by melting him into dust using his magic hands. He doesn't react with any kind of, like... Uh, anything really he's just standing there in front of like this crumpled dust body and he's just like nice i did it then voldemort's ghost appears and just like flies through harry like impaling him in a weird way and then it does fly out he slimes him like slime from ghostbusters he does actually slime him and then he flies away crying like a baby and harry passes out And then he wakes up, boom, in the infirmary. He's in hospital, Dumbledore is there. Harry wakes up, he's surrounded by treats, Dumbledore comes in, he notes very quickly that, like, hey, it's meant to be a secret, the whole school knows what happened. Also, the chocolate frogs, your friend Ron came in and ate them all. Ron isn't there anymore, so Ron's (laughs) come in to visit Harry and just been tucking into his (laughs) treats. Um, uh, Dumbledore mentions that the Philosopher's Stone has been destroyed and that he convinced his good friend Nicholas Flamel to finally die, which I think is just such a horrifying concept. Um, Also, Quirrell would never have been able to get the stone because the spell meant that only people that wanted the stone but didn't want to use it would be able to get it from the mirror, so the whole thing was a waste of time. Harry then bails from there and bumps into Ron. Uh, Ron who, uh, like, (laughs) Harry walks to Ron and is like, uh, 
All right, Ron, how you doing? Like, treating him like a real geezer, which I really love. Um, the gang's all back together. They go to the Great Hall. Dumbledore wraps up the year and then completely rigs the school cup. Does it not seem petty to do the school cup at this point? It seems like so the literal petty. dark a lord. Teacher has the died? literal dark lord. Uh, the dark lord was inhabiting the body of a teacher. One of your students banished him. How Harry again? How Harry is not the king of school at this point? <laughs> like he he's literally the, fought yeah, the dark it's lord. Just. Yeah, and, the, and then so they're like, you, they're you know here, what's the important? The whole place is decorated for Slytherin because Slytherin came first, and then Dumbledore's like, actually, hang on yeah, a sec. Represent, represent Slytherin. This. And he just like threw through Hermione, Ron, Harry's, yeah. and Neville's uh, uh, behavior. Ha- Dumbledore just gives them the cup through points. It's like fuck, fuck whatever you're doing, Slytherin. Gryffindor wins. We have to consider the scaling system for the points that exist here. Because, like, Gryffindor's coming last. They're, like, 170 points behind Slytherin. 160 points behind Slytherin. Dumbledore is like, but don't worry. Hermione, you get 50 points for shooting Neville Longbottom in the face with offensive magic and then staying calm inside a big vine trap. Ron, you get 50 points for playing chess. Oh, Harry, you killed the Dark Lord. You get... 10 more points than Hermione yeah, did for shooting Neville. What is the scaling system there? Harry should have won the cup outright. That, that, that should be it. It should just be like, yeah. He, he should wins. have got a thousand points. Anyway, Neville gets the final 10 points for being brave again. So Hermione gets 50 for shooting Neville and Neville gets 10 for being shot. Gryffindor win the cup and everyone but like yep. Draco Malfoy and his friends are real pleased about it. Um, yeah, because then, everyone then, hates Slytherin except for Slytherin. Exactly. Um, and then the Hogwarts Express like is is there. They're getting back on the train. They're all going home. Um, and uh-huh. then Hagrid comes up to Harry, gives him a photo book, and then actively encourages Harry to threaten Dudley with magic. And then Harry remarks that he's not going home. Not really, as he looks fondly out at Hogwarts and the film ends. <laughs> Yeah, that Beggar's Delight theme, love it. Anyway, it's the time of the podcast where we talk about social media. Yeah, let's do it. It's time for Yes, Yes, No. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Let's talk about social media Uh, and all Gimlet episodes. Anyway. So thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to stay in touch with us and, oh, be one of the people who tells me that I have to change my Facebook profile picture to be the Slytherin House logo in 2019 <laughs> as a 25-year-old man, uh, then you should check out Curio Network on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you want to find this show in particular, you can find it on Twitter at SICurioShow. Uh, if you want me specifically, so you can tell me directly to do that awful, awful thing, you can find me at Mr. BT McAllister on the Tweedo. I'm there. I'm ready to receive your hate mail. <laughs> um, you can get me at Jackson underscore Usid. Um, and I think uh, something of note that I would throw out now is that I, actually, I have a show going on in Sydney. Um, so I am producing oh, yeah. a, a co-producing a show that I co-created called Delta Sierra Juliet. It's on at 107 Projects from March 14th to 16th. So um, if you're in Sydney, uh, come check it out. Come see something I've been making other than this, like, other than one of the many Curio podcasts uh, I'm involved in making. 
All right, Jackson, I think it's time for a little bit of a roundup, a little bit of a wrap-up, a little bit yeah. of a crap-up, if you will. I'd like to know who you've got for MVP. Okay, MVP. Uh, who did I have? Let me just... Now, Let I definitely me... have the, the snake. The snake I love from the snake. start of the movie. I love snake. I love Snake for I have a McGonagall. double MVP. I think that's very fun. Yeah, I, I have Snake too, and also Hermione. Um, <laughs> I kind you also of, had Ron, I want to say. I kind of like Snake. In a year of like forgiving snakes for interspecies violence, I think like a second yeah. like consecutive MVP isn't a bad idea. I think it's fair. Let's go second MVP. But who is your All right, MVP? Double Snake. Alright, I've yeah, got... Snake has. Uh, Ollivander. Ola, Ola Mm. Ollivander, because of his awful style and also how bad he is at his job. I've got mm-hmm. Quirrell, and I've got Dumbledore, who actually, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I, lean pretty hard into Dumbledore. I definitely had Dumbledore, especially because he bailed right at the last minute when everyone needed him, and he was like, oh, I, I'm gone." Also, because earlier in the film we didn't mention this, but I did it at the start. He definitely makes all the food in the feast appear. Um, so I guess wizards are able to like generate nutrition through magic, and why they haven't yep. been solved poverty is yep. like a big LVP to wizards in general. I'd say so. I think as Dumbledore, and, and Dumbledore as, as a as leader of wizards, I would say yeah, LVP, prominent, powerful wizard. Yeah, yes. and also just for being a shitty headmaster, he's just got such poor judgment. He puts Harry's life in mortal danger, like constantly. It also begs the question, like, if his plan was always to bring Harry to Hogwarts when he turned 11, why in the name of fuck did he think Harry was better off growing up in an abusive muggle? I know, I know. But, Ben, we can't, we can't dwell on that because we got to j- throw it back to the people real quick. Um, and I have one in review for this. Oh, film Jackson, for you yes, from a month okay, ago. Okay, please, I have to know. Oh, from now, a month is, ago. This is quite a sensible review as well. Um, so, I would so this say, is a 2019 review of a 2001 movie. Yes, cool, cool. by a one Rose K, who says. I think that this movie is the perfect interpretation of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's slash Philosopher's Stone in the sense that it's everything from the book, but you can see it. My favourite part... <laughs> my favourite part is when Harry meets Severus Snape and how Snape describes... Harry met Sally. Love that yeah, movie. And how Snape describes the simmering cauldrons. By that I mean that the cauldrons <laughs> look exactly as they are described in the book. I also highly recommend the other Harry Potter movies... End of review. <laughs> the idea that anyone's going to see this review, where she's described this as a uniformly good movie, and then be like, mm, I wonder what her take on the other Harry Potter movies is, though, and I like know. just assume that it's negative. Now, Ben, I also have, I have one more thing to bring to you before we get to trivia, and I know you're chopping at the bit, but okay. this is very important. There is a, a whole universe of fan fiction uh-huh. Harry Potter. Uh, erotic oh, fan fiction. Oh no! Um, and so what oh. I have here is what is what was renowned, particularly on Tumblr, Tumblr back in its heyday before I got rid of all the things I made at Tumblr. Um, uh, My Immortal, um, which I'm going to read the first two chapters for. Oh. I say chapters; Dude. they're like two paragraphs. My Immortal, chapter one. Hi, my name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way, and I have long ebony black hair, that's how I got my name, with purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears, and a lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee, and if you don't know who she is, get the hell out of here. 
I'm not related to Jared <laughs> Way uh, from My Chemical Romance, but I wish I was because he's a major fucking hottie. I'm a va- <laughs> so just like a random aside. Um, I'm a vampire, mm-hmm. but my teeth are straight and white. I have pale white skin. I'm also a witch. I go to a magic school called Hogwarts in England, where I'm in the seventh year, seventeen. I'm a goth, in case you couldn't tell, and I wear mostly black. <laughs> I love Hot Topic, and I buy all my clothes from there. For example, today I was wearing a black corset with matching lace around it and a black leather miniskirt, pink fishnets and black combat boots. I was wearing black lipstick, white foundation, black eyeliner and red eyeshadow. I was walking outside Hogwarts. It was snowing and raining so there was no sun, which I was very happy about. Obviously, as a vampire, right? A lot of preps stared at me. I put up my middle finger at them. Preps! The Hogwarts preps! Preps, I know. Hey, Ebony, shouted a voice. I looked up. It was dot, 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 dot. Draco Malfoy. What's up, Draco? Uh, I asked. Uh, who Nothing, else? he said shyly. But then I heard my friends call me and I had to go away. End of chapter one. Ch- uh, uh. Chapter two. The next day I woke up in my bedroom. It was snowing and raining again. I opened the door of my coffin and drank some blood from a bottle I had. Uh. My coffin was black ebony and inside it was hot pink velvet with black lace on the ends. I got out of my coffin and took out my giant my giant my chemical romance t-shirt, which I used for pajamas. <laughs> instead <laughs> Which in- I use as my jam jabs. <laughs> instead I put on a little black leather dress, a pentagram necklace, combat boots, and black fishnets on. I put on four pairs of earrings in my pierced ears and put my hair in a kind of messy bun. My friend Willow woke up then and grinned at me. She flipped her long waist-length raven black hair with pink streaks and opened her forest green eyes. The Uh, same hair! The same hair! She put on her Marilyn Manson t-shirt with a black mini fishnets and pointed high boots. Oh, nice, dude. OMFG, I saw you talking to Draco Malfoy yesterday, she said excitedly. Yeah, so, I said blushing. Do you like Draco? She asked as we went out the southern common room and into the great hall. No, I so fucking don't, I shouted. Yeah, right, she exclaimed. (laughs) Just then, Draco walked up to me. Hi, he said. Hi, I replied. Guess what, he said. Hi. What, I asked. Well... (laughs) Well, good Charlotte are having a concert in Hogsmeade, he told me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my fucking god, I screamed. I love GC. I love what that tells you about GC's, like, affiliation with the magical world. I I mean, to be fair, Benji and Joel Madden have always struck me as goblins. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I got him. (laughs) Oh my fucking god, I screamed. I love GC. They are my favourite band, besides MCR. Well, dot 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 dot, do you want to go with me, he asked. I gasped. End of chapter two. That's amazing, dude. So what's it called? My Immortal. I'm gonna have to go pick it up. I guess it's like $9 on the Kindle store. Jackson, I'm I'm desperate to tell you some of the okay, trivia associated finally, with this finally, yes. Let's do it. The filmmakers originally wanted to use Canterbury Cathedral as a filming location for some of the Hogwarts scenes, but the Dean of Canterbury refused to allow it, saying that it was unfitting for a Christian church to be used to promote pagan imagery. <laughs> <laughs> the Dean! <laughs> The restricted section scene was filmed in Duke Humphrey's building at the at the Bodleian Library in Oxford. It's like the oldest library in the world. Mm-hmm. They have very strict rules. I mean, like continuing. Uh, they have very strict rules yeah. about not bringing flames into the library. The makers of Harry Potter were the first ever to be allowed to break this rule in hundreds of years. <laughs> Alright, well, this is a different movie. The filmmakers attempted to go the extra mile of matching the kids' appearances to how the novel describes them by fitting Daniel Radcliffe with green-coloured contact lenses and similarly making Emma Watson wear fake buck teeth. 
<laughs> but when Dan's when Dan's eyes reacted strongly to the contacts and Emma couldn't talk clearly with the fake teeth in her mouth, these ideas were scrapped. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> uh. J.K. Rowling revealed on her website that she was considered to play Lily Potter during the Mirror oh of Erised scene, but she dude. turned down the role. The self-insert, oh. dude, exactly like my immortal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. Rosie O'Donnell and Robin Williams were two of the celebrities who asked for a role in the movie without pay. In their cases, Hagrid and Molly Weasley, they didn't get the roles because J.K. Rowling only wanted to cast British people. Could you imagine Rosie O'Donnell's Molly Weasley? Like, hey, Ron, what are you doing? The platform's over this way. Jesus. Okay, this is probably my favourite thing. The last name Dumbledore means Bumblebee in Old English. Same piece of trivia. Also, according to the show QI, the word muggle existed in the mid-1900s as a, inverted commas, jazz word that was used for pot smokers. (laughs) Still Interested is a production of The Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chappell. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.